so hard on on ministry that I forget my family or I forget my wife or my kids. Just so just feeling this 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 sense of weight and this conviction about all of these things and feeling like I don't I don't I don't personally have grace extended towards me. And then I even start to realize that sometimes I don't I I, I try to set, I set the bar so high for myself I don't even extend grace towards myself. And so I just start sitting in my in my office at home and I begin to think about how hard it is to be a pastor. Right? Thank you. Praise the Lord. I start thinking about how hard it is to be a pastor. And the reason is because the expectation is for me to preach. So I want y'all to think about right now how you view me. This is part of my personal testimony. And the expectation is that pastor going to show up and pastor going to preach or pastor going to teach or pastor going to counsel or pastor going to do pastorly things. Right? But I begin to just, I'm not, this is me, this is my personal talk, testimony, this is me talking to the Lord, this is me feeling all this weight, and this is one of the parts of the sermon I said, do I need to lead this out, right? But I'm going somewhere with this now. I say, so the, 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 the expectation is that I preach, and so sometimes, and, it, and I know that this is not just me, some of you might feel this same way as a wife, or a husband, or as a sibling, that the people in your life they have you in this box, and it's not intentional, but that's just who you are to them. So you're in this box, and they don't see you as anything else. So a lot of times when people think about pastor, they don't say, hey, pastor, you want to go to Buffalo, Buffalo Wild Wings? Hey, pastor, you want to watch football? Hey, because that's not what you do with your pastor. Pastor is only for preaching. Pastor is only for teaching. Pastor is only for Bible study, but things outside of the realm of pastor, I don't come to mind. I don't come to mind, right? And so I had this, I'm having this experience in my office, and I had this experience last week, and I just began to ask myself, I just said, am I, am I in my feelings, or do I just need to stay in my lane as pastor? Because it seems like it's certain places where people don't want me. It's certain places where people don't want me in their life, so I just need to stay in my lane as pastor. And I'm going somewhere now. What I'm saying is not. I'm not saying what I'm. What I'm. I'm telling y'all my feelings, but I'm not telling you my, that my feelings are right. Right. I'm. 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 I'm going somewhere with what the Lord was doing with me. And in response to all of these feelings and convictions and this stress and this anxiety, and the Holy Spirit just said, be quiet. He said, just be quiet. Not shut up, but just like, be quiet. And he said, don't respond. And he says, I want you to think about what it means to be pastor by comparing yourself to Jesus. So I want you to think about, right? You say it's hard to be a pastor. I want you to compare yourself to Jesus. And like I said, whenever the Lord asks you or somebody asks you to compare yourself to Jesus, the bar gets set so high that automatically you get put back in your place. Amen. Automatically off the rip, whenever you get put back in your place. And so 
when the Lord asked me to be quiet, I just it's so two things with this silence part. I said so. You know, it may seem like as I'm having all of these feelings that to be quiet is the wrong thing to do because I know that in this house we have talked so much about crying out, about mourning, right? But God just said to me, just be, just be still for a moment. And as I was still for a moment, the silence was deafening. The silence was deafening. And God started saying, he said, crying out to me, don't, it has nothing to do with how loud you are. Amen. Amen. You say crying out to me don't have nothing to do with how loud you shout or you yell. Amen. Amen. And then comparing yourself to Jesus humbles you in a way that gives you clarity and helps you see that you're bad, mm -hmm. right? That you that you don't stack up, but it also helps you see that because of His grace, you ain't that far away either. Amen. And so one of the ways of being a pastor or being a husband or a father or, or, or a leader is to, it seems like you're supposed to have an answer. You're supposed to be able to solve problems. You're supposed to be able to fix things, to even make people happy, right? To provide, to have a plan. That's what it means to be a pastor. That's, that's shepherding. If you're a shepherd, you're supposed to take care of the sheep, right? And you're supposed to be able to get the sheep to follow you, not for the sake of power, but for the sake of protection. This God talking to me. He said, now, you compare yourself to Jesus, and I want you to really think about what it means to be pastor. And this is going to help you know whether you're in your lane or not. And that's why I'm going through this. And, and, and it just seems that there are people... And situations out there that don't mean us any good. And as a pastor, as a shepherd, your job is to protect. Amen. It's to protect people from these things, right? And then this is the part that got me, y'all. I ain't even noticed I ain't even read no scripture yet. I'm going to tell you the scripture that, that led me to this. Amen. But this is the part that got me. I began to think about in the Word. And we never really see shepherds being ministered to. We don't. And it's not the sheep's fault. Sheep, sheep were not designed to shepherd. Sheep were not designed to provide. They were not designed to lead and protect the shepherd. What we see is we see the shepherd out there with God's protection looking over the sheep. And I began to think about David, a former shepherd, in the 23rd Psalm. He didn't say the sheep come for me. He said your rod and your staff. Amen. Right? And so God just put me in my place. He like, well, you know, you if you pastor, this is the expectation that you need to have. Right? And so I began to look up what, uh, what that rod and that staff is. And, and this is this is from an excerpt from Philip Keller in a book called The Shepherd Looks. It says, in a sense, the staff is more than any other item of his per the staff is more important than any other item of his personal equipment and identifies the shepherd as the shepherd. Mm -hmm. No one in any other profession carries a shepherd's staff. 
It is a unique instrument used for the care and management of the sheep and only sheep. It will not work for cattle or horses or for hogs. It was designed and shaped and adapted especially for the need of sheep. And so this word was to me first. God was like, my word, my correction is what you need. And so here is the scripture, y'all. I'm going, and it's going to apply to y'all as well. Because I'm not, this, this sermon is not just about being a pastor in the church. This, this, this sermon is about what, the, what God demands from you and the type of demands that you place on other people and your expectation for other people. And so this whole thing, God was trying to, he was helping me understand his expectation for me and the expectation that I should have for other people. So this is the part that got me. This is Matthew 26, 31 and 32. And the word reads, Then Jesus said to them, This very night, all of you will run away and leave me. For the scripture says, God will kill the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised to life, I will go to Galilee ahead of you. So y'all may be seated. So when I was in my office and an initial thought that it's hard to be a pastor, and I began to search my Bible for the word pastor or shepherd, this is the one that stuck out to me. God will kill the shepherd. And so this sermon is not about me being alone. This sermon is not about the sheep abandoning me. And, and, and I got to that conclusion because I know that I can't stack up to Jesus. I don't compare to Jesus. This sermon is about living with demands on your life. Living with demands on your life. God was simply telling me in the silence, this is who you are. Be content. Be silent. And focus on what I demand of you and no one else. And no one else. Who's standing for how I treat myself and others should I obey? Should I obey mine, theirs, or God? Think about your life. Who's standing should you obey when it comes to your life and how you treat other people? Should you do what you want to do? Should you do what they want you to do? Or should you do what God wants you to do? Amen. And so this sermon is also about the demands we place on other people. Jesus had a demand on his life. And when we think we understand it, we don't. And the same thing is true with other people. When you think you understand somebody else's calling or their life, you think you got them paid, you think you know what they're going through, you think you know all their feelings and all their emotions and how they process all their stuff, when you think you know what, what it is to be them, you don't. Y'all may think y'all know me, I may think I know my wife, I may think I know my children, but I don't. Only God knows. And we place demands on other people because we think a certain way about them. So Jesus had this demand on his life and we think we understand it, but we don't. 
Right? So I know Jesus knew what he had to do, but I wanted to be understanding fully. And this is what I mean by that. Why would, why would Jesus in the garden? Because this 26th chapter is Jesus in the garden. Why would Jesus in the garden ask for the cup to pass if it wasn't God's will? As if there was another alternative. So if Jesus, if, if some, in my mind, I'm thinking, if Jesus knew this was the only way, he wouldn't have asked that because he would have known this the only way. But he, he it's something his humanity say, God, you know, I know that I have to do this, but is this the only way? And that's where Jesus' faith kicked in. Because he just goes, he said, I, I, I just have to trust that this is what you want me to do. So Jesus understood the demand for sacrifice. Even if he didn't understand why it had to be this particular way. And that's where I am, y'all. Like, I understand what I have to do as pastor. I understand the demand on my life. But sometimes I just be wondering, does it have to be this way? So to put it another way, Pastor Carter used to say, I stopped trying to figure God out. Right? And that, when she would say that, she was talking about herself. Like, I stopped trying to figure out what God is trying to do with me. But it's amazing how we think we have everybody figured out. Right? I got missionary figured out. I got my husband figured out. I got my wife figured out. I got this God thing figured out. And then because we think that we know them, we place demands on it. And we do God the same way. We think we got God figured out, so God, it got to be this way, right? But that's not what we see Jesus do. We see Jesus say, if it's your will, let this be another way. But not my will, your will. And so what we see happening, what we see Jesus doing in the garden, Jesus was working out for the demand. He was working out the demand on his life in solitude. And that's the part that Jesus got me in that silence. He was like, right here in this office, this way that you feel, I need you to be like, you preach about contentness. You preach about not judging. You preach about having grace and mercy. But I need you to be content with the calm on your life and stop trying to put demands on other people's life as well. He's the only, God is the only person. Jesus is the only person who had such a demand on his life. He, he, and think about what his demand was. His father said, I want you to lay down your life for the sins of the whole world. Uh-huh. And so when I'm sitting in my office comparing what, Jesus, what God asked me to do Glory. to what he asked Jesus to do, the demand was not as great. Glory. So I need to be content with the little that he has asked me to do. With the little demand that I have on my life, I need to be content with that. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, right? So in the midst of me, y'all, in the midst of me going through this, and Jesus telling me to be content, know who I am. He starts speaking to me about the sheep that I pastor. And that's when he said, my sheep know my voice. So eventually every person in this room has to decide whether to follow Jesus or not. Jesus never tried to be someone that he was not. Amen. So why do we do that? Jesus. Now I apply that directly to me. I can't be someone that I'm not. Amen. I can't be someone that I'm not. 
you can't be someone that you're not, right? And we get upset when people try to make us into we we get upset when, when people try to make us into someone that we're not. We feel like I can't be myself, right? But then when you get in a relationship or you have children or you on a job, what do you turn around and do? You try to make people into who would who you want them to be. Amen. You try to make your husband into who you want him to be, or your wife, or your kids, or your co-workers, or yourself. You try to t- and Pastor Connie used to say it another way. People only gonna be who they are. But we place all these demands on people to change. And the reason that we do that is because most of us are looking for other people to fill our who the voice in our life and not God. Glory Jesus. We don't we, we don't always pick up on what, what we want, right? So we try to if, if I can get this person to change and do the things that respond to me in the ways that I want to, then my life will be better. And my job will be easier, and my home life will be better, and I will be happier, and I will be fulfilled, and I will have purpose if I can get this person to change. And we even direct our prayers toward God to change people into who we want them to be. So we place another demand on their life that God then place on their life. Each and every one of you already has a demand on your life. Each and every one of you already has something that God wants you to do. And you have to be true to that. And you can't let somebody else place an extra demand on your life that God didn't require of you in the first place. I told y'all this. this, Hallelujah. Jesus never tried to be someone that he wasn't or change for someone else. He obeyed God. And that's the thing about obeying God. If, 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 if you would look clearly at the people in your life, and I'm, I'm going to get to the Mother's Day part when this ties in. But if you would just obey God, you would become the person that other people or the people in your life need. Glory, glory. If you would just, oh, you wouldn't have to try to change. If you would just obey God, you will become. And that's what Jesus just obeyed and he became. Healer, brother, friend, savior. He became all of those things without getting out of character, without putting on airs, without without praying the same prayer over and over and over again and and trying and apologizing. I'm just going to be who I am, and I'm just going to obey God. And if that's not good enough for my children, my wife, whoever, right? Then it just ain't going to be good enough. My sheep. Jesus basically said, my sheep know my voice. If they don't like how my voice sounds, or they don't recognize it, then they're not my sheep. So, as I'm having this conversation with God, I said, I'm finished making demands on people. They're talking to me now. And I, I I sent my wife a long text, and I I began to list all of the things that she is to me, right? I literally, like, there have been times in our relationships where she asks me, she'll say, why do you love me, right? Why do you love me? And you you know, you can say things off the top of your head. But I really began to think about that question, like, why do I love her? 
And the thing that, that, that the thing that brought me to that place was I began to think about all of the demands that I placed on my wife. Right? If I do this, I want her to respond a certain way to me. If I say this, I want her to respond a certain way. If we have a disagreement about this, I want her to respond a certain way. Or if I'm feeling a certain type of way, I, I, I say, well, if she went acting like this, then I wouldn't be acting like this, right? So it's like I, I got all these, so I put all of the stuff that I was demanding of, from her aside and say, God, what is it about her that really makes me love her? Without all the extra stuff, what is it that she does for me, regardless of the things that she does not do? Because maybe she wasn't made to give me those things. Maybe the things that she's giving me, maybe the things that she's giving me are the things that she was made to give me in the first place. And now I'm just putting all this extra weight and pressure on her to perform a certain way. Because that's what I want. But she wasn't really made to do that. Glory, glory. So I said, I'm finished putting demands on people. And the reason that God say I can stop putting demands on people, he said, because I already got a demand on him. I'm like, you don't have to, I don't have to put a demand on my wife. He said, because I'm requiring stuff from her already. And you don't have nothing to do with that. She was born with certain demands on her life. So if she's obedient to me, then she's going to provide what you need without you trying to change it in the first place. And then God took it even a step further. He said, we got to stop placing demands on people, especially when they're the service of God. And it made me think about Acts 6 and 2. And Acts 6 and 2 says, so the 12 apostles called a whole group of believers together and said, it is not right for us to neglect the preaching of God's word in order to handle the finances. So then, friends, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will put them in charge of the matter. Right? So it's one thing when you just put the, you in a relationship and two people ain't saved and y'all put demands on each other. But when you're in a relationship and somebody and both of y'all are saved and they have a calling on their life to serve the Lord, how much, how, how much do you require of them that takes away or hinders them from doing what they're supposed to do. Because you got a demand and you think, I need them to do this for me. And that's not a demand that God has placed on them. And so does this mean we can re- we can neglect our personal responsibilities for the sake of the gospel? No. It just means that our personal relationships will be enhanced because we focused on God. The problem is people want other things from us that than what God requires of us. They place demands on us and want us to meet their needs when we are not the ultimate board filler. If I could see my wife for all that she is and not what she isn't or what I want from her, then it would allow me to see what God has done and is doing for her. When you stop placing your demands, like when you place your demands on people, they always going to come up short. They never going to be able to be enough for you. They never gonna be a your like your husband never gonna be able to be enough for you. Amen, 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 amen. And that's and that's not God. That's all your demands. That's all what you want. They never gonna be able to be enough for you. 
So if I take my demands off of her, then the only thing that's left is what she does. <laughs> all the stuff that I want is gone, so the only thing left is all the positives. All of everything that she does for me. Glory Jesus. Right? But when you place your demands, that's you asking a miss for stuff and getting disappointed in the process. Glory Jesus. Now your face all crooked. And you all in your feelings. So that's you asking a miss and getting disappointed in the process. Stop making demands. And somebody might be saying like, you know, because I started out talking about people putting me in the box as pastor. And you say, well, pastor, we really don't place demands on you, right? But it's not about what you ask a man or woman or God to do. It's, a, it's about what you ask them to believe concerning you. So as a pastor, what I mean by that, as a pastor, I shouldn't constantly have to discern who you are. I shouldn't have to constantly discern who you are. You should be, you should want to be seen as you really are. And whether you realize it or not, most most shepherds, most pastors, and I'm talking like, even like, even when I, and I'm using the term shepherd as somebody who leads, somebody who is placed in care of something. So as a parent, as a parent, you shouldn't have to constantly try to discern who your children are. Most of the time, you already you know something is going on with them anyway. But you shouldn't have to right. You you they you shouldn't have to try to figure out who they are. That's your children placing a demand on you to figure stuff out about them. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Okay, I'm not gonna let you in when really as a sheep you should be following your pastor. And that's you, that the communication should be flowing. So, like, I'm thinking about my wife and Izzy and, and how she tries to talk to Izzy. Like, it shouldn't be no secrets what you hiding. I'm your shepherd. Yeah. I'm here to protect you. My rod and the stand, like, the rod is the karate of correction. And the beat off wolves and all these demons and stuff trying to, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the and the staff is to snatch you out of harm's way or when you get stuck for me. Like, so you shouldn't be running to hide from your past. You placing a, a demand on your parent or you placing a demand on your spouse that shouldn't be there. You, we, should be, we should be good with who we are. We should be good with each other just how we are. Just how God made us and how he, how he working on us. Instead of you trying to speed up the process and make me into something that I'm not, you put an extra weight on me. Right. And so as you keep going through Matthew 26, you know the disciples, and that's who we are as followers of Christ, we should be his disciples. We so foolish, y'all. We always think that we more ready than we are. So as Jesus telling them what's gonna happen, you know they all like, I die with you, Jesus. Right? And from that, God just starts saying, He said, Stop demanding things that you yourself are not prepared to do. Stop demanding things that you yourself are not prepared to do, right? You want somebody to understand your feelings, but you don't want to understand it. You want somebody to be romantic with you, but you don't want to be romantic. You need them to be romantic first before you romantic. Right? You want somebody to surprise, but you don't want to surprise. You want them to have more energy, but you don't want to have energy. You keep placing demands on yourself. 
You keep placing demands on other people that you yourself are not ready to do. If you are not prepared as a sheep to die with the shepherd, if you are not prepared as a sheep to die with the shepherd, which most sheep are, then just try to understand what God is trying to do. If you got somebody over you, if you got somebody over you that's shepherding you, and you're not prepared to do everything that they do, then stop placing demands on them and just be thankful for what they do. Mm-hmm. Right? So let me put it, let me let me break it down into back into context. So if I'm not ready to schedule all the dentist appointments or plan all the trips or pay all the bills or be the soft one in the relationship or, the, or to provide all of the things and the encouragement and the same side got a happy place and do all of those things, right? I could focus on everything that my wife is not doing, but if I'm not prepared to feel or do all of the things that she does do, then I need to shut up. Right? And so what happens is, and so what happens is, Right? We spend our whole lives placing demands on people. And then when they die, you so you realize like, man, he did all the grocery shopping. He cut the grass. I can't put my feet on this person no more. I, I you start missing all of this stuff about this person, right? But when they was alive, they wasn't good enough for you. They wasn't good, it wasn't enough. I still need more from you. Jesus. You still demanded more from them when they was alive, but when they were gone, you realized all the stuff that you missed. When they start talking all of that stuff, it made me think about, and I'm talking about the disciples, it made me think about when they was asking Jesus, can I sit on your, you know, can I sit on your right hand when we go to heaven? And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking for. Can you drink the cup of suffering that I must drink? Can you be baptized the way that I must be baptized? So that brings me back to Matthew 26. God would kill the shepherd. Why? This is why when you want to be, and I'm talking to every leader as a parent, as an aunt, as somebody looking up to you as a godparent, as a brother or sister, when people are looking up to you as a shepherd, God will kill the shepherd. Why? God needs the sheep to see the shepherd die in defense of them. Oh, my God. God needs the sheep. He needs to see the people that's following you die in defense of them. He needs the sheep to see how they wander, how they go through life unconcerned, how they're so easily distracted, how they nonchalant about their protection. They just expect the shepherd will take care of it. But then the shepherd dies. But then the shepherd dies. When the shepherd is gone, then what? You need to appreciate what you have without demands. Appreciate your sister for who she is without demand. Appreciate your mama or your spouse for who they are without demand. You want somebody to believe in you? Then die in Christ each and every day. Die for the sheep. You want somebody to follow you and look up to you? Then die in Christ each and every day. When someone you're close to that has been shepherding you, that loves you, is gone, we have regrets. Yet when they're alive, they can never do enough. We want it more. When we see or find some good in them, we always desire more until they're gone. And then we realize 
that even if some of their faults, they were good to us. Amen. And we value it all the more when they're gone. A good shepherd is trying to lead you into green pastures. They're trying to lead you into silence and peaceful work. So think about the people that you look up to as leaders in your life. Whether you are, they, are if they're leading you to a green pasture, if they're leading you to steal water, you need to leave them alone. Amen. You need to leave them alone and stop putting demands on them. And the reason that you do that when you leave them alone, then you can appreciate verses 5 and 6 of the 23rd Psalm. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of all my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Actually, it's amazing to me how we can be so blessed and still demand more. We pray for a husband, get one, and then complain. Well, you must have forgot what it was like when you were praying for the husband. My husband don't do this, this, and this. When somebody else saying, when somebody else saying, I wish my husband would come home. Oh, my God. I wish my husband would, like, go to church with me. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But we don't, we don't want the table. We don't. We, we look at the table prepared, and we be like, Nah, Jesus, that's not enough. Prepare me some more. As a shepherd of people or a thing, you have to learn to be content. And this is very difficult. I often think about David, who was a shepherd. He was promised the kingdom as a boy. He demonstrated unreal courage. He ended up running from his life when he wrote the 23rd Psalm. And so I can imagine that when things started going good for him, he wanted more and more. And eventually, he forgot what it was like just to be a shepherd. It's like sometimes when we wait for something so long and we finally get it and everything is going good, we, 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 we no longer become content with just leading being a shepherd, out there caring for the sheep, just a pastor, just a steward, not worrying about demands, not worrying about criticism, not worrying about other people or what they got of other kingdoms, just tend to the sheep. Where do I get that from? If we go to Matthew 26, when when they talking about what they're going to do, and Jesus turns to Peter and say, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. When Jesus was resurrected, because Jesus in that same verse tells him, you're going to understand it when I raise back the life. So Peter denies Jesus. And when he comes back, he asks Jesus, and he asks Peter three times, do you love me? What does Jesus say to Peter when Peter says yes? Be my sheep. Be who I call you to be. And stop worrying about all these other demands. That's what the Lord was saying to me. Just feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Thank you, Lord. We, this is why we have to be careful with our declarations and our demands of people in general. But especially with the real men and women of God, it's almost impossible to give the same amount of grace that you desire for yourself. It is almost impossible to give other people the same amount of grace that you desire for yourself. Only God has grace that's sufficient enough 
We don't understand what God is doing in people well enough to make demands on them, no matter how much we think we can. Even if they get seen, God is the judge and the judge. As much as I think I know my wife, I don't know her well enough. I don't know what God is trying to do with her. I don't know it well enough. So it's no sense in me trying to play God and say, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do this, and then you'll be all right. There's no sense in me doing that. Because they're just putting extra weight on her. And I'm going to close with this, y'all. I'm going to close with reading Romans 9, 15 through 24, and then I'll be done. Right? God is the only God is the only judge who can do a jury. We have to stop placing commands on people. Romans 9, 15 through 24, y'all can say For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on anyone I wish. And I will take pity on anyone I wish. So then everything depends not on what we humans want or do, but only on God's mercy. For the scripture said to the king of Egypt, I have made you king in order to use you and to show my power and to spread my fame over the whole world. So then God has mercy on anyone he wishes and he may stubborn anyone he wishes. But one of you will say to me, if this is so, how can God find fault with anyone? Who can resist God's will? Right? But who are you, my friend, to talk back to God? Mm-hmm. Do clay pot, like clay pot does not ask the man who made it, why did you make me like this? It's no point in me trying to figure out why the Lord made me with the temperament that he made me. Right? You so quiet, or you this, or you that. Right? There's no point in me trying to figure that out. I, and I know we spend a lot of time on feelings in this church so that we can get the root, get to the root of whatever we feel, right? But ultimately, at the end of the day, why do we need to know the roots of what we feel? Anybody? I know this ain't Bible, but why we need to get to the root at the end of the day? We, we spend so much time getting to the root. Why we need to get to the root? That's how you get better, because that's God. Because at the end of the day, we digging so deep, because we trying to find the Lord. Amen. We want to know if what we feel is of God or not. Amen. Mama say that's how you grow. That's right. You got to get down to to the root. To figure out if you if you if you got him or not, if you right or not. He made us that way. But we put all of these demands on people when we don't even understand the real we we like when we talk about getting to the roots, you you might think you at the root, but you don't know the root. You weren't there when they were formed in the womb, you don't know the root. And we can't and, and we can't even figure that out. You might have been digging on your roots for, for the last 20 years and you still ain't going to get there without the Lord. And the same is true as what God has done. He wanted to show his anger and make his power known, but he was very patient in enduring those enduring those who were the objects of his anger and who were doomed to destruction. And he also wanted to reveal his abundant glory, which was poured out on us who are the objects of his mercy, those of us whom he has prepared to receive his glory. For we are the people he called, 
not only from among the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. There's a part, y'all, in Matthew 26, where Jesus is getting ready to be betrayed, and the word says, this is Jesus talking, he says, the sorrow in my heart is so great that it almost crushes me. He tells his disciples to stay here and keep watch with me. And I read that, y'all, and I'm like, okay, Jesus, I love you. I see what's in the text. I can try to imagine what you feel, but I can't really grasp the way to what that man was feeling because God don't have the same demand on my life. I can read about it, but he ain't asked me to die for the sins of the world. So I can't, I can't compare myself to how Jesus feels. And so, but we try to do the same thing to other people. And the word says that Jesus went on a little bit further, and the further he got, the word says that the, the weight that he felt grew. Mm-hmm. Jesus was smiling in despair, and all the disciples were sleeping. Mm-hmm. And I'm just starting to learn this as pastor, and I want y'all to begin to learn this as well, that people in your life, and this came to me this morning, and for real, I'm almost done. People are either, they are either dealing with the demand that God has on their life, or or they're dealing with the demands that the world has placed on their life. They're either dealing with what God is asking them to do, or they're trying to live up to the expectations of the world. And when you place your demands on either one of those groups, you just add it to their weight. So from now on, I'm going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to allow people to be who they want to be. Right? That's even in my own home. It's no sense in me trying to change my children, trying to change my wife, trying to change y'all, because. Y'all already got a demand on the life. I don't have to try to whip y'all in shape. Right? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So I'm going to, as a pastor, all my demands, saying this to my wife, my kids, to y'all, the congregation, I'm a pastor. And all of the demands that's placed on me come from God. I can't be who y'all want me to be. And if who I am is good enough for God, it's got to be good enough for y'all. If I love him like I say I do, then he's not going to let me live in error. Right? If I love him like I say I do, he's not going to let me mistreat my wife. He's not going to let me mistreat my kids. Because he got a standard for me already, right? And if I follow his standard, I don't have to follow y'all's standard. Because I'm going to meet all y'all needs. I'm going to do everything that I need to do for y'all if I follow his standard. So I need y'all to know you don't need other people's demands. You don't need your daddy's demands. You don't need your mama's demands. Because at the end of the day, what anybody that you, anybody that's shepherding you, 
should be telling you to do what God is telling you to do anyway. They shouldn't be making up something because they want you to do it. They should be telling you the word. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a new demand that they're facing on you. They should just be confirming what God has said already. And what has he said? What has he demanded from all of us already? He said in his word, be ye holy. I am holy. That covers everything. Anybody desire a prayer while she's saying 